0: What does corruption mean in a business sense? What are the risks for businesses of allowing corruption to go unchecked? And what are the practical steps that businesses can take to address and minimize these risks? I'm Sinead Riley, the professional support lawyer in the Litigation, Dispute Resolution and Investigations Department here at Arthur Cox. And to answer these questions, I'm joined today by my colleague, Deirdre O'Mahony, a partner in the Litigation, Dispute Resolution and investigations Department. Deirdre, thanks for joining me today. Before we delve into these specific questions, are the risks that businesses face from corruption more pronounced in the era of COVID-19, do you think?
1: Thanks, Janinead. Um, Yes, the the COVID-19 pandemic has resulted in, as we all know, an extremely turbulent period for most businesses. Uh, Companies have had to drastically change how they operate. They've had to mobilise remote workforces, navigate major changes in supply chains and manage significant cash flow pressures. And what we know about periods of crisis or disruption is that they inevitably lead to an increase in criminal activity, including corruption. Um, when checks and balances can be inadvertently overlooked or relaxed by businesses who are more focused on business continuity and survival in some cases.
0: Yes, it's definitely easy to see how businesses might become distracted in times of crisis, such as we are in now. Before we move on to the risks, Deirdre, what does corruption actually mean? What type of activity is prohibited as being corrupt
1: activity? Corruption is regulated under the Criminal Justice Corruption Offences Act 2018 and this prohibits a broad range of corrupt activity including to offer, give or agree to give or to request or receive a gift or some other type of advantage to induce or reward a person to do something in relation to his or her employment position or business. So that's the classic form of corruption, but it's also illegal under the Act to trade an influence, that is to give or receive a gift or advantage to induce a person to exert an improper influence over the act of a public official. The Act also captures conduct that might facilitate corruption, for example, The giving of a gift to another person knowing that the gift will be used to induce someone to do something in relation to their employment or position. It's also illegal under the Act to create or use a false document to induce someone to do an action in relation to his or her position or to threaten harm to another person to influence them to do something in relation to his or her position. So the Act captures a very wide range of potentially corrupt activity. And in this context, it might be useful to dispel certain misunderstandings in terms of the type of conduct that can be caught. So firstly, it's important to say that the Act covers both active and passive conduct, meaning that it isn't limited to people who, for example, offer to give gifts to exert an influence or who, in fact, give gifts to exert an influence over another person. But it also captures the people who are on the receiving end of that gift. So you should be aware that you are not excluded simply because you accept an unsolicited gift from another person, for example. And secondly, there is sometimes a perception that corruption is only relevant to public sector bodies and officials carrying out their functions or businesses to the extent that they interact with the public sector. But that is wrong, of course, whilst there are offences which are specific to public officials. The majority of offences under the Act apply whether you operate in the public or the private sector.
0: Okay, and Deirdre, I think I'm correct in my understanding then from what you've said that giving a gift is not in and of itself corrupt, but what is it that actually makes giving a gift corrupt?
1: That's right, Sinead. The giving of a gift or hospitality isn't prohibited in every case. What the Act prohibits is corrupt conduct and so in order for it to be caught under the Act you have to show that for example a gift was given corruptly and this is defined very broadly under the Act to include acting with an improper purpose either personally or by influencing another person and the Act gives some examples of what acting with an improper purpose might look like including making a false or misleading statement and withholding, concealing, altering or destroying a document or other information. But critically, the meaning of improper purpose isn't limited to those examples. There is a catch-all by any other means in the definition. That means that all different types of behaviour can constitute acting corruptly Um, depending on the particular facts and circumstances of that conduct. So, for example, there is nothing wrong with providing reasonable and proportionate levels of entertainment or hospitality to an existing client, and that isn't prohibited under the Act, but the same actions may well be viewed as having an improper purpose. And as being corrupt under the act if that client happens to be a decision maker in a tender process involving your business at the time the entertainment is offered, or for example, the level of entertainment offered is disproportionate. So to answer your question, Sinead, in order for particular conduct to be corrupt, there needs to be evidence of an improper purpose. And what this looks like will vary from case to case. And it's likely that this will be assessed not by reference to what the individual themselves believed in terms of their objective, but by reference to an objective standard. So that means what would a reasonable third party expect in relation to the performance of the type of function or activity concerned? And that is the way that the standard is assessed under the English equivalent legislation.
0: Thanks, Deirdre. I think that makes sense. And that's a useful example that you gave. And onto the risks. What are the risks for business of corrupt activity?
1: The most obvious and significant risk arising um, from a business allowing corrupt activity to go unchecked is that the company and or individuals connected with the company will be prosecuted and convicted. And the Act includes a specific offence which allows a company itself to be prosecuted where an offence is committed by an individual connected with the company. And in order for a company to be held liable, two conditions must be present. The offence was carried out with the intention of obtaining or retaining business for the company, or an advantage in the conduct of its business. And secondly, the person that committed the offence was a director, a manager, a secretary or officer of the company, or purported to act in that capacity, or was an employee, an agent or a subsidiary of the company. And if a company is convicted of the corporate offence, the penalties can be significant. For most offences, the maximum penalty that can be opposed if the offence is prosecuted in the circuit court is an unlimited fine. Any conviction will obviously also result in significant reputational damage for a company. And in the meantime, in terms of consequences, whether or not a prosecution is brought or is ultimately successful, companies can find themselves caught up in complex, expensive and very distracting investigations, both internal and external, which divert resources, both human and financial, away from their core business objectives. So I think the message for business on corruption risk even and perhaps especially amidst a global pandemic, is to ignore at your peril.
0: Ignore at your peril. I think that's probably very good advice, Deirdre. And are there any practical steps companies can take to address corruption risk?
1: Yes. So I mentioned that the Act um, allows a company to be prosecuted where a person connected with that company engages in corrupt activity for its benefit. But a company accused of that type of offence can defend itself if it can show that it took all reasonable steps and exercised all due diligence to avoid the offence. Of course, risks will vary greatly in some cases from business to business, depending, for example, on the scale and nature of the business, where it operates and the extent to which it relies on third parties, for example, such as agents or consultants to act on its behalf, um, meaning that the steps and due diligence required of a business will be um, specific to each individual company or business. Unfortunately, the Act doesn't elaborate on precisely what steps will be adequate for a company to escape prosecution and there is no official guidance in Ireland yet. However, there is helpful English guidance on a similar corporate offence provided for under their Bribery Act, which recommends a number of key principles that should be applied by companies to mitigate the risk of corruption. And having regards to those principles, some of the key steps that should be taken by companies to ward against corruption risk are firstly companies should carry out risk assessment to assess the nature and extent of its exposure to potential internal and external risks of corruption occurring on its behalf by by persons connected or associated with it and that risk assessment should be periodic it should be informed and it should be documented and then secondly informed by that risk assessment companies should have policies and procedures in place To mitigate those risks and those policies and procedures should be clear, practical, accessible to employees and others, and they should be effectively implemented and enforced by the company. And at a minimum, uh, the suite of policies and procedures that a company might design and implement will include uh, a central anti-corruption policy, sometimes known as an ABC policy. But it may well also be necessary to have additional policies around, for example, engagement with third party agents or contractors or the provision of gifts or has hospitality by employees, um, depending on the nature and scale of the business and what it requires. And thirdly, it's, it's not enough, of course, to, to, to simply have these policies in place. Companies must take additional steps to embed the policies throughout the organization and ensure that they are communicated to employees and understood by employees who will be tasked with ensuring that they are implemented and that can and should be done through appropriate um, internal and external communication and in particular training programs. And fourthly, companies must apply risk-based due diligence to any engagement with individuals or companies who perform or who will or may perform services for or on its behalf. And that may include the company's own employees, as well as third party agents, contractors or subsidiaries and other commercial partners such as joint venture partners. Fifthly, key to any successful policy is is treating it as a living document whether it's an anti-corruption policy or a policy in any other area and a company's policies and procedures should therefore be monitored reviewed and updated as necessary to incorporate learnings from their implementation issues that arise and to address new or different risks that are identified by the business. And finally, and critically, um, there should be demonstrable top level commitment to a company's anti-corruption procedures. So management at the highest level, that is the board of directors, the owners or any other equivalent body or person, should be committed to preventing corruption and should be seen to be committed to preventing corruption and to actively fostering a culture within the organisation in which bribery is unacceptable. Thanks, Deirdre. That's a
0: very helpful overview of the key steps that companies can take and should take to mitigate corruption risk. And following these steps will help um, businesses and companies in the event that they are prosecuted to show or to prove that they took all reasonable steps and exercised all due diligence to avoid a corruption offence and as you said Deirdre these are key steps and I think it it might be worth doing a quick recap of them and so it it might be a slightly crude (laughs) recap but I think essentially what you said was to carry out a risk assessment put policies and procedures in place implement and embed those policies and procedures carry out due diligence on service providers, monitor, review and update all policies and procedures, and then very importantly, demonstrate commitment to these policies and
1: procedures from the top.
0: Is there anything else you would add, Deirdre, before we wrap up?
1: Yes, I I, I think those are definitely the basic steps or principles that every business should take. Um, But when it comes to the design and implementation of effective corruption policies and procedures, I think maybe the key takeaway or the overall takeaway is that there is no one size fits all approach. Companies who are truly committed to the mitigation of corruption risk for their organisations have to adopt a proportionate risk based and tailored approach which responds to the risk profile of their particular business and the nature, scale and complexity of their activities. So for example, companies that operate in higher risk jurisdictions, in in higher risk sectors like extraction or significant infrastructure, or that heavily rely on third parties or intermediaries, for example, might reasonably be expected to have greater controls in place than businesses that operate locally and don't engage third parties to any great extent. The good news, however, for businesses that commit to investing in designing and implementing best-in-class anti-corruption controls, especially in times of crisis and disruption, when business objectives shift and opportunities for exploitation can increase, is that these best-in-class procedures should mean that either the corruption doesn't occur in the first place or if it does that they are in a position to defend any investigation and or prosecution arising from that. Always good
0: to end with some good news I think. Thank you Deirdre that was very practical and informative and I know that you're very happy to speak to any of our listeners who might want to learn more about this topic.